everybody, welcome to Saturday Night Rewind. I am here again with Randall Walter McDonald. And I'm here with the fabulous Brian Paradise. I am pretty great. So here we are to talk about episode six of season 46 of Saturday Night Live, starring Dave Chappelle with musical guest, The Foo Fighters. Surprise! Surprise! Yeah, I think we found out that The Foo Fighters are going to be the musical guests midweek. Mm-hmm. So, and I will talk about this later, but they definitely ter- turned out to be a pretty excellent pick. So we had talked last week a little bit about Dave Chappelle is a pretty interesting choice for this week because he was the host last time there was an election result four years ago when Trump beat Hillary Clinton in the Electoral College. Mm-hmm. So it was gave me a little bit of anxiety knowing that he was going to be back as maybe like a, an omen of bad results. It did not turn out that way, and this turned out to be a pretty good episode. So what are your kind of general thoughts about this episode, Randall? Uh First off, I will say that I think that this is the best episode of the season so far. Wow, that is a bold statement. It is a bold statement, but I believe it. Uh, I think uh, the energy in in the cast was just, you could feel it watching it. Just as soon as that cold open started, there was just something different. And, uh, and they were just, I thought that they nailed it. I thought that this was a great episode. And uh, I thought Dave Chappelle was hilarious and also poignant. Yeah, I think I think we're gonna disagree a little bit on the overall quality of the episode, mm. but I but I think that Dave Chappelle was an inspired choice, and he was unpredictably, or he was uh, predictably transcendent. Yes, he was so so good. Yes, um, and w- so we'll kind of talk about that as we get into it. I. I I think that there were some things... It was interesting. Like, how do you write this show? Right. And especially, you know, we talked about this. I'm not sure if it was on or off the the air last time. But we talked a little bit about, like, there's only so many things they're going to know on Saturday, kind of knowing that the results were going to be delayed because of how many mail-in votes there were. Um, But there were... We didn't know until Saturday. Right. Who the president is going to be. <laughs> so, which means they didn't know until like 11 or 12 yeah. East Coast time. And then they had to put together a show and fill in the gaps. And I think that you can tell that there are sketches that they wrote earlier in the week that were going to be able, were kind of evergreen. They were going to work no matter what. Yes. And then they had some other sketches that they needed a result for. Mm-hmm. And then there were other sketches that were completely dependent on the result. I think there was kind of like a spectrum. There were some where like they could slot things in. Yeah. And then something, some things that they it felt like they wrote that day. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. There, there definitely were some. And, and I was thinking like, as I was watching, I was like, I would have loved to be in that writing room for that whole week and just see what they kept coming up with and what they kept changing and, and experiencing that room would be interesting. Yeah, it felt like... So we'll, let's just get into it and then we'll, we'll go through everything. So I agree with you. I think that it, there was a lot... It was a very good episode and uh, Dave Chappelle was a great choice. Yes. And I think he's somebody that probably I wouldn't want to see every year because he brings such a different energy to the show. Mm-hmm. I want him to be a treat. Yes. Not something that we expect. Yes, and he was a treat this time. So we start with the cold open, and it this begins kind of the flavor of this episode. I remember four years ago uh, when the result was that uh, Clinton had lost, and there was just an overall 
just somber tone to the whole show. That is where uh, I think it started with Kate singing Hallelujah as Hillary Clinton. Uh-huh. So they, they had some echoes of that this time. But this time, they really just took a little bit of this is what happened today, where they uh, took Biden and Harris's acceptance speech from hours before. Yes. And uh, somehow sourced Kamala's exact outfit. Yes. And they got to do a little kind of spike in the football. Yes, yes. And I, I think they did it uh, tastefully, too. I don't think that they they really they really just captured how much everybody in this country uh, needed to just celebrate and also laugh. And and it feels like it's the end of an era. Yeah. Yeah. That. Yes. And we can get to that. Uh, at the very end uh-huh. of the show. But yeah, so this had, it started in the CNN Situation Room with Beck uh, playing Wolf Blitzer and Mikey as John <laughs> King. And then it was interesting. We talked about this in the previous debate episodes where they would just recite a thing that was actual that happened yeah. and get a big cheer. And that happened a lot in this sketch. You know, even with fake Beck Ben or fake Wolf Blitzer as played by Beck Bennett calling the race for Biden. That got a big cheer. Yeah. Yes. People just want to keep hearing that, I guess. Yeah. And uh, yeah, then we had naturally uh, Jim Carrey come out as Biden and Maya Rudolph come out as Kamala Harris. And Carrey said, I understand that this thing uh, took a long time, but had a great climax. It was like having sex with Sting. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I love that. I think that... The uh, other thing that cracked me up about Jim Carrey was when he he whispered to Maya. He said, "I said your name right." And I don't oh, know if that I was didn't on, catch that. I don't know if he meant to say that on on if that was part of the script or if he just added that in. But I thought that, that was funny that is, when he that, announced her. I like that a lot. <laughs> um, but yeah, so basically they were. It was interesting. They were giving acceptance speeches and getting reactions as if they were giving the as if they were the real people yeah. giving their acceptance speeches. That says how much that audience in the studio wanted to hear that. Yeah, and this is one of those again. Yeah, when I was watching throughout the week, I was like, "Are they on SNL? Are they just going to repeat again what's happening? Like Trump not conceding and 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 all that?" And then as I was watching it, I was like, "You know what? If they repeat it, I'm fine with it." If they just repeat and and they played with it a little bit, I liked uh, Maya changing it to like she started talking about how Kamala was talking about little girls and and what they're seeing, and then she was like, "And if your mom's you know yeah crying right now, it's because she's drunk." And that was like a nice little twist on yes. it. Yeah, and I actually watched those acceptance speeches earlier yeah. uh, in the in the weekend, and so they did a good job of it not being exactly the same thing, which yeah. I which I liked a lot. Uh, then they cut over to Trump who, uh, with Baldwin playing Trump in kind of in the press room, I guess, is where they were trying to do that. And had Chloe as uh, Kaylee McEnany, yeah. the, the, pr- <laughs> the press press secretary, and basically talking, basically uh, embodying his tweets of don't, and then continue to count the votes, kind of depending yeah. where they are. I like that she showed uh, showing them the electoral map, but it was actually the COVID infections <laughs> about how bad wind. they are. Um, so I thought that was uh, thought that was good. And then we got a homage to four years ago with Alec Baldwin plaintively singing Macho Man at the <laughs> piano, which I thought was really really funny. Yeah, yeah, it's a great way to complete the circle, you know. 
Yeah, I thought, you know, and it, we definitely got the, the, the idea that this was the last we're going to see of Baldwin in this capacity for a while. Mm-hmm. So it was nice to see him kind of chewing the scenery a little bit differently this time. And then it uh, th- basically the big um, button to this sketch was Jim Carrey doing his Ace Ventura loser uh, as Biden. It was perfect. I, I, I mean, I loved it and I think the audience loved it and he just milked that. Yeah, as a, a child of the 90s, uh, I I unfortunately had this spoiled for me because I was on Twitter and I saw uh, Biden and it said, like, loser. So I had lost a little bit of the impact, but it was cool. It was interesting. Like, he's just using... The, Jim Carrey using this character that he's known for to kind of twist the knife a little bit was yeah. really interesting. Yeah, yeah. Especially talking about being a humbled winner and then just saying that. It was just yeah. the it was just the right way to do it. I think so. And it was short. Yes. Did you check the running time for this one? I think it was eight minutes, eight minutes and six seconds. Or okay, something. so that's what it needs to be. I feel yeah. like a sub ten minute cold open is great. So they you know it was it was celebratory. The characters were celebrating, the audience was celebrating. Uh, Baldwin got to have a little bit of fun at Trump's ex- Trump's expense in a different way than he has been. Yes, which I I liked. The, I don't know. It was less of him as a. I know he like plays him as a buffoon, but it just felt like they gave him less to do, which was kind of fine. And I liked them kind of. How do we portray sad Trump the way that we portrayed sad Hillary? Yeah, perfect. Yeah, it was perfect. It felt like like a quarterback finally playing his last game. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was like, yeah, this is nice. Perfect. Let's let him do whatever he yeah. wants. And then uh, we get to Dave Chappelle's monologue, which was 16 minutes long. Yeah. When I was watching it, I was like, the cold open and and his uh, monologue was 25 minutes, yeah. 26 minutes. Of a hundred, or I'm sorry, of an hour and six minutes worth of show. Right. So that's half the show right basically. there. Basically. Yeah. And that's been like the, the cold open and the monologue have been taking, I think, extra proportion of the show through these first six episodes i suspect that when there's a little bit less heat politically going on uh and maybe some non-stand-up oriented hosts those will trim up a little bit and we'll have more sketches throughout the show but you definitely this took a lot of time but honestly i think that the Chappelle's monologue could have been the whole show Mm mm-hmm and that would have been fine. <laughs> yes. If SNL was just that this week, the cold open and Dave Chappelle dropping some truth, cool. That's all yes. I needed. That's all I needed this week. That is all I think the country needed. Yeah. Uh, I my I think one of my little predictions from last week was that Dave Chappelle would be smoking. And so it came I, true. I, yeah, <laughs> I, I got it. Man, he's he was so cool in this whole, and he's always cool. Yeah. But just I mean, with the cigarette and. Uh, I'm skipping ahead, but just how he ended his monologue, uh, I thought he didn't do the traditional thing that you love. Yeah. Uh, he did not tell us to stick around. Uh-uh. He just said good night and then flipped his mic, and I was like, that was the coolest thing I've ever seen. Yeah. So, yeah. I don't want to, like, there's a lot of great quotes to pull, and I'm going to yes. try not to just, like, repeat Dave Chappelle, but what was great is that he hit the kind of, the crux of his thing was, you know, poking fun a little bit at the president. And what I like about the way that he kind of talks about the world is that he'll be like, I know it's sad, but it is also 
hilarious. Yes. And there's he did a couple of those this time. Uh, and he will go into some dark places and bring you along with him and make you laugh. And that is, I think, his real talent as a comedian. He's so mm-hmm. bright, and he will br- he will make you essentially accept a premise that would be too taboo for another comedian. But he like gets you in a place where you're laughing about Freddie Mercury contracting AIDS. <laughs> he can do that. Yes, he can. And he can make you laugh at a woman making less money. Mm-hmm. And then uh, what I thought was very funny in, in that specific one is when he made the the woman don't make enough and kind of relating that uh, to the women, basically the way that women allow themselves to be subjugated and then he used that as a, like, that's why you don't get paid as much. Yeah. And then found another joke on top of that and then just looks off to where I guess Lauren is and said, I guess we're making, like, I thought we were making a comedy show, which was, like, very cool. Yes, yeah. And only he could do that. He's the only guy yeah. who could get away with that. I don't, I can't remember a time, there's, like, Lauren will, like, sometime allow himself to be in sketches or whatever, and I like that Lauren is kind of always around, uh-huh. but I've never had somebody, like, talk to him like he's just a guy. There's yeah. always, always, there's always this reverence, and that did not happen. Yeah, yeah. He just said, uh, yeah, I said that. Uh, it's like, and it's funny. <laughs> yeah, and I think that that's why he's so good. Like he really like he he knows what is funny, and he knows how to work a crowd, and he knows how to get you to kind of see something. And I thought that you saw that throughout. And what I really uh, liked is that, and we, I'm sure we're both going to talk about this, is at the end where he talked about like, remember when I was here four years ago, and how terrible so many of you felt. That is how the other people feel. And he, talking about how, like, he doesn't hate anybody. He hates the feeling of being hopeless. And, and it was just so cool. Yeah. Yeah, it, it, it transcended comedy. It, was, it, it made you realize, like, okay, now is, this is the healing process. And that's exactly what I knew Chappelle could do, whether Biden won or lost. Yeah, yeah. It's so interesting, because I was around... In college, when Chappelle's show was happening, so the, the two seasons, I think, mm-hmm. from my, like, my freshman and my sophomore year, and that I remember being so excited about the third season. He was the biggest comedian on television, one of the biggest comedians in the world. Mm-hmm. He, uh, I remember them talking, telling a joke like, suddenly Comedy Central is one of the best cable networks. All it took was having some black people on TV. And like, <laughs> look at that. And then... He like walked away from his star vehicle, lived in like disappeared to Africa for a little bit, and now he lives in this this rural place in Ohio uh-huh. where uh, he gets yelled at for doing stand up comedy in his cornfield or in a cornfield. And it's just so there's so few comedians or people entertainers that can be at the height of their stardom, completely walk away from it, destroy relationships with people like yeah. his co writer Neil Brennan. They had a big falling out. Obviously, Viacom and Comedy Central weren't thrilled that their like Golden Goose went to Africa and just like walked away from everything. Yeah. And now, fifteen years later, he's one of the biggest comedians again through yeah. his work with Netflix. Yeah, yeah. I think he's right now the the goat of stand up. 
I think so. I think he's really uh, captured a moment and on his own terms. And I think that's what's so brilliant is that he, with Chappelle show, he realized he wasn't going to be able to do what he wanted. So he was just like, I'd rather do nothing. Yeah. And then now he's just kind of continued to develop this reputation of being an amazing stand-up comedian and one that comedians love. Yeah. And clearly audiences love because otherwise Netflix wouldn't be throwing all that money at him to do those specials. Uh-huh. But I did like the fact that he talked about that Chappelle show is streaming on two different services and he's getting no money. Yeah, he's getting bought and sold more than his great-grandfather. <laughs> yeah. Uh, also, and this is something that my wife and I were talking about, a whole lot of N-words in this show and she was surprised that that was allowed and so was I. Yeah, yeah. I don't remember as many... Four, four years ago. No, I don't think so. I remember Jost making a joke at some point on update that Lauren had given him like two, three or four N words that he could use, and oh, there was yeah. like a little graphic that showed that he had used one. But I think Lauren was like, "Screw it, I'll buy, I'll eat the fines." Yeah, because that's really all that they can do is all the FCC will fine NBC, and then somebody has to pay for it. Yeah, yeah, and screw it, it was much needed. Yeah, I think so. I I really liked it. I also really liked um, tw- the beginning of the end of his monologue, talking about a kindness conspiracy mm-hmm. that basically do nice things to black people because bad things were done to them that it wasn't their fault. And I yeah. like the idea of the the drug dealer with the ice cream just kind of drink uh, eating it, but like cautiously. Yeah, yeah. You give them something nice because they didn't deserve it because we did some horrible things when they didn't deserve it also. <laughs> yeah. Uh, my, the last thing I'm going to say is uh, when he was talking about Trump running around giving everybody COVID, that he was running around like the outbreak funky, which I feel very seen. <laughs> it was great. And like I said, that could have been it. Yep. So then, so you, you talked about the end of his, his monologue. He did not say, stick around, we'll be right back. He did not say, Foo Fighters, we're here. He didn't say we have a great show for you. He didn't do any of that. Mm-hmm. He just, like he said, he, he mic dropped. He flip dropped. Yeah. Flip dropped the mic. And then we come back and he's still there. Yes. So this, so I thought this was going to be the whole night, but apparently he just did it this once. Because if you, did you watch, have you watched Chappelle's show? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I, it was the same kind of structure where he just, he has a live audience and he throws to film sketches. And that's basically what he did. Yeah. Yeah, and and Key and Peele do it too. A lot of these Comedy Central sketch shows do that, and I liked it. I was like, "Oh, this is a different SNL tonight." And I think doing that did help the sketch. Yes, it helped because you got a laugh right away when it was revealed that it was Aunt Jemima. Yeah, yeah, the way that he kind of solemnly talks about a couple of black people losing their jobs, and then it is Aunt Jemima and Uncle Ben and Alec Baldwin. In yes. a sketch. Yes. Yeah, I was so surprised at that. I was like, maybe he's eager because he's not Trump anymore. Yeah, that really led me to believe that he's not coming back. Yeah. Uh, it, when I saw him in the second sketch, I'm like, oh, he's sticking around tonight. That's probably because he's never coming back as mm-hmm. Trump again. Yeah. Even though Baldwin, and I don't have the stats in front of me, he's hosted a lot. Yeah. Before all the Trump stuff. He was like a friend of the show. So I would like for him to be able to come back in a hosting capacity and not have all that And not do Trump. Yeah. (laughs) So uh, this is uh, Alec Baldwin, Heidi and Mikey as like ad execs with what we see to be a panel of Aunt Jemima played by Maya Rudolph, Keenan as Uncle Ben, and then um, Chappelle as Dennis Haysbert, who is the Allstate guy. The Allstate guy. And then uh, later on, Pete as Count Chocula. 
Yes. And there's a, a uh, the whole crux of the sketch, and this this felt the most like a Chappelle show sketch, mm-hmm. where Baldwin as the white guy saying, "We have to fire you because we don't like the way that you make us feel about what we've done." Yes, which is great. Which was the perfect line, and I I bet uh, Chappelle came up with that line. Yeah, well, it just felt like one of those kind of how do we is a good racial kind of injustice sketch, basically saying that you know these. Icons were created by white people are now being removed by white people, right. and in this, but in this context, it's with act, you know fictitious characters. Yeah, yeah, which was uh, pretty funny. I love Maya Rudolph in this. Uh, yes. the fact that she winked at the camera, saying that she uses her breast milk as yeah. the secret, <laughs> the secret recipe. Um, and then what's the uh, Heidi says, "Thank you for breastfeeding our children." Yeah. I was like, "That that was that was stellar." Yeah, and uh, yeah, it, I liked seeing Uncle Ben and talking about all the different kinds of rice. And then Chappelle, uh, I think he knew that his voice modulation was funny because <laughs> he kind of starts with with a laugh. Yeah, uh, and then at some point in the the sketch, he just. Spikes the lens, looks right at the camera and says, seriously, America, look at Pete Davidson's lips. Yes, I thought that that was so... And Pete Davidson laughed and his fake Count Chocula teeth fall out. I thought that that was funny. Yeah. Do you think that that was on the spot or do you think... I I would imagine that Chappelle likes giving people a hard time and he must have said something to Pete throughout the week. Uh Uh-huh. And then just decided, I will say it now, too. Yeah. I don't know if you've ever seen uh, Pete Davidson's stand-up, but he talks about his lips a lot in his Oh, stand-up. he does. Okay. Yeah, and he's always like, I don't know what race I am. Like, <laughs> And so, yeah, it's just so funny to see that and just both of them break. Yeah, and uh, talks about, oh, it must be a little Italian in there. Yeah. Uh, talking about his own lips. <laughs> and then uh, they end up all getting fired. Yes. But this one was nice uh, and weird. I liked it. I liked it a lot. It, it felt the most, like I said, it felt the most like a Chappelle show sketch. Let's take a kind of benign premise and imbue it with some real kind of thoughts, which I liked. Yeah. And now to take, uh, go c- in a completely different direction, uh, this Nintendo sketch. <laughs> I, you tell me about it. Okay. So again, this is a very Kyle Mooney sketch. Uh, and the the thing about this sketch that is fun, so they're doing, they're celebrating the, the 35th anniversary of, of Mario. Yeah. And, uh, and they're kind of talking to these gamers and interviewing them the first time they did it. They played it. And uh, these two gamers, Kyle Mooney and uh, Mikey Day, they uh, had an incident where this guy fell on his uh, nut, where Kyle Mooney's character fell on his ball sack and, and they popped. And, and that is the joke. And that is a joke. And, and, it was one of those things where it's not that funny, but it is funny if you just keep hitting it. But that wasn't even the funny part to me. Okay. The funny part to me, the part that kept cracking me up was Keenan coming right after and being like, me, uh, it was Keenan requesting uh, to not come after them after each time they were interviewed. Yeah. You know what's funny? So the, the, the thing that took me out of it immediately was when they said they were riding their bikes to Target. So they said 
we're, we were riding our bikes to Target, and then I paused my television, and I looked up the history of the Target Corporation, because I'm like, I was quasi-alive in 1985. I was a year old. But I, I was like, th- I had never heard of Target until the early 90s. I guarantee that was not a thing. So then I looked it up, and... Uh, Target started expanding across the country in 1982. But they were certainly not like, if you polled any number of 11-year-olds in 1985, where are you going to purchase your copy of Mario Brothers for your Nintendo Entertainment System? They, No one would have said Target. They were yeah. like, I'm going to Walmart or like Sears or Toys R Us or whatever. <laughs> And it just cracks me up that like the the historical accuracy of this sketch yeah. is, is what bothered you. That's I mean, that was the beginning of the end. <laughs> so and then uh he hits a you know, he has his, his injury. And I think the thing that I didn't like about it, because I'm fine with weird and I'm fine with like this is such a not joke, it becomes funny. Uh-huh. I think what I didn't like is that Mikey's character was essentially a bad improv scene partner. Mm. Right, so if with this was an improv scene, and Kyle's like, "Oh, you know, I it wasn't a big deal," and then Mikey, Mikey was like, "But actually, no, it was. It was. <laughs> it's just like just felt like, which is like the opposite of what you're supposed to do. Like yeah, in yeah. improv, you're supposed to you're supposed to agree and accept yes, premises and. and stuff. So I think that that I I also didn't like that. Okay, I think the going, and then my other frustration. Sorry, I did not like the sketch <laughs> at all. Um, was the the SNL gets in these traps where it's like let's all stare at the weirdo? Yeah, and that is what this sketch was because I did like in performance Keenan being like, "Why are you making me go after this?" Yeah, guy? come on. Yeah, like, I like he does a good job of underplaying things, and I think in his like lower third Chiron thing, it was like some video game historian. Yeah, who was just like I don't, I can't. I so I thought I liked I liked his performance, but basically. This what Kyle's character hadn't got hurt. Mikey does not seem to be like a supportive friend. No. And they were going to this fictitious target in 1985. And then they, the rest, and then everybody is just like aghast at this child that got hurt. Yeah. <laughs> I did, it does, there was just like nothing there for me. Yeah. Yeah. I, and again, I'm a big Kyle Mooney fan. And I, and so I think I just fall in love with this this there's like this new I think there's a new kind of comedy that's coming out of the millennial generation. Now you're just calling me old. That's fine. No 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 no. <laughs> but it's like this anti comedy like uh like nerd thing, and it's like being awkward and not funny is funny. And, like, that's what Kyle Mooney does a lot. I've got, like, other comedians that I love, like Gabriel uh, Gundacker. The, these, all these people, like, they, they do awkward comedy. And I think, and I'm with you. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm with you. I think I like this sketch more if Kyle, or I'm sorry, if Mikey's role is different. Okay. Right? So... Kyle has like this the in character Kyle's character has this embarrassing embarrassing thing happen to him that he uh then uses video games to kind of paint over in his own memory which mm-hmm. is like fine and good. I think just having the like broy confident guy 
dunking on his nerd friend. <laughs> I don't like. I love the good neighbor flavored stuff where it's Kyle and Beck and they both kind of suck. Yeah. I'm into that. Yeah. So just like it being a sketch in that everybody is is tap dancing on uh, Kyle's non-existent testicles is I think my problem. Yeah. Because I just like don't like cruelty and it just like it was a sketch about yeah, cruelty. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, the whole the whole sketch was definitely punching down on on his character. Yeah. But uh I think Kyle Mooney loves to do that and his his blank look into the camera is one of the funniest things I I've ever seen. Yeah. His, this like, also <laughs> this also I'm pretty sure takes the role of the um product placement sketch. Yes. I think you're right. Because they used yes. Nintendo, they used Mario, they used their official Mario 30th anniversary, 35th anniversary graphic that they've been using. Yeah. Um, which I think is hilarious. So, like, good on Nintendo for licensing this thing and yeah. like allow and clearing this sketch. Um, I just yeah. just wasn't for me. It definitely wasn't a Target placement because they knew nothing about Target. Clearly. <laughs> I'm sure there's a generation of people that when they watch 50s portrayals in, you know, the, you know, when they saw that in the 70s, 80s and 90s, they went, that isn't right. Like, there's going to be all these movies that take place in the 80s and 90s and early 2000s that are going to come out in the next 10 to 15 years of my life. And it's going to be wrong. Yeah. It's going to drive me insane. Yeah, yeah. That's always what happens. I I think it's funny that SNL in the last, like, three episodes have had such, like, testicle humor or... Or private part humor, you know, like with yeah. the headless horseman last week, and them just talking about nuts. And later on in the sketch, we get another kind of uh, penile joke. Yeah, it was like it was sanded down. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Agree to disagree. I loved the next one. The film sketch, "Take Me Back," yes. was great. Oh. So, so this was Beck and Ego, where Beck is uh, doing a stereotypical romantic comedy thing of going to his girlfriend's house and asking for her back and this is just like pure escalation it was so cool all the details that they just kept on adding up yeah such good writing this one whoever wrote this sketch knew knew this sketch very well yeah it was you know going from i stopped drinking to drugs to pills to um not watching porn but performing in porn uh, and saying he always wore, he always used protection, protection and I, you never wore a condom. Yeah, he always had a gun. Like all <laughs> that kind of stuff. And then it ended in a really satisfying way with the cops and then her saying, he loves me. He loves me. was awesome. I really liked this one. This is another good one. And this is the one that I said, uh, another penis joke, like towards, it was my penis is one oh, yeah, of yeah. the lines that <laughs> Beck Bennett says. Yeah, a lot of those like kind of, those kind of Archer does this a little bit too, where they say a line, build on the next line, and and kind of kind of change the meaning a little bit. Yeah. Um, where it's like I took you know I took it out at the at the the playground, and that just kind of all these kind of half understandings that build to this truly yeah. terrible person, which right. is very cool. And he's eight. He's he just turned eighteen. Yeah, <laughs> I'm a man now. Yeah. She's like, what? And then what? What else? Oh, when he said, uh, "I'm doing porn," she's like, "You had, 
you're doing porn with other women? And he was like, never women. That was a cool motif throughout. We're like, no, never, whatever. That, yeah. Um, because I think by the time he said it for the no, never woman, he had already used that before yeah, somewhere else. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, oh, you pulled your gun out at a at a playground? No, not a never a gun. <laughs> yeah. And then he pays that off later at the end. We're like, it was it was my penis. It was my penis. Yeah. Yeah, it was a great game. Great. I mean, just such a well-written sketch. And and I, short, too. Like, it didn't, it, like, established its premise, which was very simple, and uh-huh. then just went nuts yeah. and then ended kind of abruptly. I thought it was very cool. Yeah. What do you think of Ego as a performer? I'm glad you brought I think she's pretty bland. Yeah. I think she's really bland, and I'm really sad to see that because... I want to see her audition for SNL. Mm, yeah. I would like to see that because I want to know what her strengths are because maybe they're just not using her in the right sketches. She was all over the show tonight. Uh-huh. And, and I didn't see any place where she was really shining. Like, I'm glad for, like, representation reasons she's right. places. She's in more sketches. But I really liked Sashir Zameda. When she was on, and not that like there can't be multiple African American women, but like in basically they hired Ego Wodum because they lost Sashir Zameda. Yeah. And I just thought that she was such a better performer. Yeah. I think she's just more interesting. Yeah. And I think, you know, I don't I don't know if, if if she doesn't step up, does she get let go maybe next season? Well, she's a regular though. She's not yeah. you know, it's really hard for that. Like sometimes if you're a regular, you're kind of leaving or you're getting fired. Yeah. So I guess that's possible, but if I think you're more likely to lose your job if they're not using you than if they're just using you when you're not that great. Yeah. I just, I like that they're using her a lot. Clearly, she's talking to the right people. They're trying to get, you know, that's part of the game of being an SLL cast member, of getting people to write for you or you writing for yourself or whatever. But, like, could Punky not have been in any of those places or, right. yet, or literally any other... Um, cast member that's gonna kind of be a better scene partner. Yeah, she was, but she was great in the film sketch. So maybe right. that's her thing. Maybe she's not a good live performer. Yeah, because in the kind of two news things that she's in later in the show, it's like she there's nothing that she was doing that Heidi or Chloe or Melissa uh, could or New Girl Lauren or literally any of the other women in the cast could have done better. Or men could have even done it. Right. Like there was no. Yeah, there was nothing. Yeah, there. Um, I hope that she that she finds her strength and and starts to shine soon. And she's played a lot of straight men. I think that's part of it too. Yeah, and maybe that's why they like her. Maybe she's a solid straight man. She's no Keenan. Keenan's the best straight man. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. Maybe they're trying to test out their replacement for when Keenan turns a hundred and has to leave. Yeah, he's. I think he's just going to take over the show. Wouldn't that be interesting? Oh yeah. Lauren retires. Keenan takes over. It's all great. Yeah. Um. So our surprise musical guest that we didn't find out till middle of the week was the Foo Fighters. The The first song was called Shame, Shame. It is off uh, an upcoming album. Mm-hmm. They were such a good choice because they are unassailably good to watch. And just they're, you know, they were able to just be great. They didn't yes. have to do anything else. Yeah. Yeah, they were very good, and I love their song choices for yes. both of them, especially the second one, which yep. we'll get to. Well, we'll just talk about okay. both, both of them now. Shame is it doesn't the Shame Shame song did not feel like a typical 
Foo Fighters song. No. It was uh, very subdued. It was very cool. Uh, I kind of knew that Pat Smear was back in the lineup and he's been playing for them with them for a while, but I love that dude. I just yeah. love seeing him bop around. Yeah. Um, and then the second song is uh, one of the, my favorite songs by the Foo Fighters, Times Like These, which also like lyrically felt appropriate. Yes. And I really liked the arrangement that they did. Yeah, yeah. It is so... And I love that they took their time. I mean, it didn't really stop start rocking till like three minutes into it. Yeah, so basically... So this is a song that my band plays. And uh, so, you know, it's a pretty upbeat rocking song. And they basically didn't start playing the song as they normally do it until after the second chorus. Yeah. And then they just kind of exploded. And what I like, what I think is cool about Foo Fighters is because they clearly like the show. Uh-huh. There's that great anecdote where they tricked Christopher Walken into saying their name in a, with the emphasis on the Foo. Yeah. Which was great. <laughs> and so like they, they've been there a bunch. And I think the last time they were on is when they were on the Christmas episode and they played... Um, Santa, please come home. Oh, yeah. yeah so yeah. they did like a Christmas medley that included Linus and Lucy from yeah. the Peanuts Christmas. So th- I I was not surprised that they did, they did an older song. Just uh, like oh, we just again with the sense of this show being about healing and restoration. Yeah. So like oh, let's hear some good Foo Fighter songs that we already know. And so they played the song from I don't know their second, third album. Some you know at least fifteen years old. Yeah. And they were great, and then it was just so cool to see them just celebrate. So as as it was playing, I was listening to it, and I actually almost I got like a little bit emotional like listening to it, and then I I actually went back and listened to it again. Nice. Because I said, would they have played this song if Biden would have lost? And listening to it as if Trump had won again. I was like, it like works in both scenarios. Yeah. It, it's a good song. Yeah, it was it was a perfect song choice, perfect band choice. Yeah, neutral. Everybody likes them. They are great yeah. performers and kind of game for whatever. I I'm, I thought it was great. Yeah, yeah. Whoever's down at casting at SNL really did their job well. Yeah, yeah. It was a well produced show, especially with I'm certain a uh, a fair amount of exhaustion with them. Working at that pace for six to seven weeks is they deserve a break, and they kind of ended on a really good note. Yeah, update was very short, very short. So, all we got, uh, so they talked about the celebrations happening in the United States and across the world with Biden's uh, apparent victory. Um, the Paris bells that they referred to, they talked about church bells, apparently, they are like. World War II bells that they mm-hmm. only play at a couple of times a year. And this was an exception with just the result of an American election, which is uh, pretty significant. Yes. Yeah. Uh, everything. Uh, they also, <laughs> Colin made a good point about how New York was celebrating. He's like, that's Trump's hometown. <laughs> yeah. Like that, that says something. It does. Uh, I forgot the, the setup to this, but the kind of Chade talking about it being like Shawshank Redemption when they're drinking on the roof. And Shawshank Redemption is one of my favorite movies. But just that the sense of like they're still in prison. It's still bad. Yeah. But right now, it feels good. It feels good. Yeah, we can have a drink and celebrate. Uh, I also really like that Chade's tie is a clip-on and that he always wears that orange tie. Yeah. So he always just wears a clip-on tie, apparently. <laughs> Which is, again, Che is his character. He had a drink again, mm-hmm. and uh, 
Yeah, I really lo- I love it. And, uh, his whole race war thing. He was like, we we were ready to kidnap you, Colin, and put you in a fridge. Yeah, <laughs> had it all picked out. Yeah. I also, when they were talking about the missteps of the Trump campaign, one of them being uh, maybe you shouldn't insult the dead hero of a state you needed to win was great. Kind of yeah. referencing John McCain, us being in the state of Arizona. Um, I got to very very briefly meet John McCain uh, before he died, and. Even if you did not like him politically, the state of Arizona really likes that yeah. guy. Uh, so that's 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 a hard sell in in this state. And then he obviously didn't carry Arizona. Yeah, which was the first time a Republican hadn't carried Arizona, I think, in twenty four years or something. Yeah, like that. It's, it was a long yeah. So maybe maybe that was not a great strategy. Yeah, that was not a good. And also giving uh, coronavirus to all your voters. <laughs> yeah. So, but yeah, it was a really short update. The only correspondent was Kate as Rudy, which is always welcome. And she was in full Rudy Uh, as a demon mode. She was having a great time. She was on fire. I I was laughing at almost everything. When they brought up the premise of how you're going to uh, uh, win back, uh, what are your your second plans or plan Bs? And uh, every single thing that she was saying was cracking me up. Yeah, uh, the you know talking about uh, we'll taste the ballots and see if they're they're because tor- they might be por- tortillas. Yeah, they, they might be, be tortillas. They blow out my butt. Then they must be tortillas. Yeah. And uh, she also, um, when she came on, she in, uh, looked at Che and Jost and called them De Blasio and Dinkins, which yes. is also very nice, referring to <laughs> other mayors of of New York. Um, so yeah, uh, she was great. I think, but. I was worried that that was the only time we we're going to see her. We turned out that that wasn't the case. Yeah. But she is so good and she is such a great where she can like embody to kind of use her vitriol for these characters, these people yeah. and kind of making this really interesting um, characterization the same way that she did for, um, uh, Oh, who was the for sessions for the way that she portrayed uh, yeah. Jeff sessions where an interesting impression, but really meant to denigrate the person she was in, in, in embodying. And she does the same thing with Giuliani. She just yeah. makes him a ghoul. She does. And she gets his lip thing down. That's what creeps me out. But yeah. it's also hilarious. And she kept like putting her head down and then coming back up. The whole thing was hilarious. And that, and that was it. Yeah. So it was just a few jokes about the election. And then Kate is Rudy. And then... That yeah. is up for update. It's probably the, the one of the shortest updates in recent memory. Yeah, and I think that was. I I, I think there is two reasons. First off, I think because uh, Chappelle's monologue was yep. so long, but I also think that uh, we got a lot of news already. I think you know, like we've all been watching the news, and so to do more news segment bits might have been you know overdue or overdone. This that's week. a good way of putting it. You know, we we get it. Yeah. Well, we were up to date for the weekend. Yeah, yeah. We don't need to hear anymore. Uh, so then, uh, we the the way the show ended was really interesting. We get back to back sketches that are anchored by a new show. Yes, it felt like we there was a sketch that was meant to be between the two of them mm-hmm. because in both of these sketches, one of the desk correspondents is Ego. Mm-hmm. So Ego is in both. Uh, uh, Atlanta and Washington, D.C., or whatever the first city was. So she's in both of these news desks. But we'll start with the first one. So the first one is, this felt like a sketch that had literally nothing to do with the results of the election. Yes. This one and the mascots one earlier. Those one, those two 
could have definitely happened no matter yeah. what the results and were. The, the the Beck one too. The, yeah, the film yeah. sketch. Those are all written earlier. Mm-hmm. It feels like. So this one, uh, the Ego and Alex are at a desk for the news. There's a hailstorm. Heidi, Kate, and Keenan are like other people on the street talking about their experience. And then we find out that uh, Kate and Keenan f- fell in love, and they're kind of like older folks, and it's yeah funny. Yeah, uh, it kind of has this the in a different way. It has this t- type of premise as the Super Mario Bros. one because uh, it's this, they're trying to talk about one thing, but then there's this other story that's going on and everybody else can't focus off of that. Yes, I think the the, the distinction for me is the Meyer Brothers one, there was a character that was like, the butt of the joke. Yeah. This one, it's funny watching the anchors try to get them back on track, but they are just telling their own story. Right. And then as an audience member, you're kind of like pulled in a little bit. Like, yeah. oh, so, oh, did they kiss? Did oh, they, they kiss? did kiss. Oh, they yeah. Felt, mm. And then you think Heidi is kind of out of it. And then she also chimes in like, well, yeah, they're both my friends. So <laughs> what does this mean? I don't know what to think. Yeah. Check back with me later. So I thought that was just like, it was really sweet. Uh, and then we find out at the end that Keenan's married. Yes. And that his wife is missing and like probably dead though, right? Yeah. <laughs> Which was a good button, good button to the joke. Yeah. It, it was a very simple sketch. I like the premise. It was very good in performance because Kate and Keenan are great and they're certainly great together. Yeah. Um, I like that they took them from kind of split screen in different locations and then they're in the same location. I... Um, uh, I wrote down this line because I th- I knew she was going to say it right before she said it, where she's like, he put my hand on my <laughs> breast and it, start- it was a friend's hand. And then it became a lover's hand. <laughs> so I, I thought that was hilarious. Yeah. Yeah. It was a very well, again, there, there were some good written sketches this, this yeah. show. This uh, and Kate had a line where they were saying, You're still, we're still searching for missing people. And Kate says, I'm done searching. Yeah, I'm done searching, which is perfect. Yeah. So funny. So then, this is also coming from uh, the heart of a child of the 90s, uh, the <laughs> DC morning sketch with um, Chappelle and Ego. Yeah. In, uh, where basically the, the premise is that Trump has not been reelected. So this is definitely one that had to be, this was either written on Saturday or know that they couldn't do it unless a certain result happened, where basically they used the OJ Bronco chase. Yeah. With Trump and Don Jr. in the Bronco. Yeah. Now, this one was weird because, I don't know, it, maybe it's because it came right after a, a previous news one. It was only two minutes and 40 seconds long. It was very short, yeah. Very short. I, I It almost seemed unnecessary, but uh, I think they could have cut this sketch, but maybe, you know, you got three minutes. How are you supposed to fill the show in that amount of time, you know? Yeah, it was this or just have it end early, which they don't like to do. Yeah. Um, but yeah, this felt like, again, it felt like there was a different sketch that should have been between these two things. And this should have been in the last sketch of the night spot. Yeah. And I, I liked it in premise that he is, instead of having a gun to his, you know, so in real life, Al Cowling's driving the Bronco, OJ's in the back driving to his mom's house and threatening to kill himself, which is why the police don't pull him over. Right. So here, Don's driving the Bronco, Trump is in the back eating a cheeseburger and threatening to tweet out that he's going to run in 2024. That is the gun to everybody's head. Right. And why they won't pull him over. Chappelle had a great line. Uh, 
saying that he is like uh, Aquaman, but uh, <laughs> instead of fish, he summons the entire parking lot of a Cracker Barrel, talking about a bunch of Proud Boys yeah. potentially showing up if somebody you know hurts the president. Yeah, yeah, that was the best line. I I don't really have much more to say about the sketch. <laughs> no, and that was that's kind of it. So it was, and that's why I think it's an interesting episode because there were some very high highs mm-hmm. and some kind of. I wonder if they would have switched the order to put that one and Super Mario. They switch it. I would have had. I would have been more tolerant of Super Mario uh-huh. if it was in the last sketch because it would have been the weird. Sketch. It would have been the place where we put the weird stuff. I still wouldn't have liked it very much. Yeah. But I think prominence means something in the order of this show. The fact that that was the the second sketch of the night, the Mario Super Mario Brothers one, I think is probably part of my problem. Yeah, and it might have been because it was the only solid one that they probably knew that they could do yeah. on that night, and so they were like, go ahead with that one. What's interesting to me is looking back at it, I first went, hey, Dave Chappelle wasn't in that many sketches. He's only in two. And then I counted, there were only five sketches. Yeah. A total of so he was in half of them. <laughs> yeah, because he wasn't in the cold open. He wasn't in the film sketch. Obviously, he wasn't in Super the, Mario's, the Super Mario Brothers one, and he wasn't in the hailstorm sketch with with Keenan and Kate. So he was just in his monologue uh-huh. and the last sketch and the mascot sketch. Yeah, and that was it. Again, this is why I think it would have been a great episode if it was just like an episode in which he made it Chappelle show. Yeah. Where let's just let him anchor sketches from the stage and throw to stuff. Yeah. I think would have worked. And maybe the maybe they're just experimenting with that. Maybe they'll do more of that yeah. kind of stuff. I, I mean that's why I mean like I like that Chappelle brings a certain amount of energy and danger to the show uh-huh. and will kind of say whatever. And I want that every once in a while, not all the time. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I'm looking forward to a traditional ass episode of SNL with like a reasonable a reasonably sized cold open in monologue that allows for more sketches. Yeah. Yeah, cuz I don't yeah, we've had less sketches this whole season. Yeah, cuz the cold opens have been super long and the monologues have been stand-up monologues. Mm-hmm. 6 for 6. Even if they're not stand-ups, they're just a story monologue. Yeah. Versus, you know, who knows who they bring out if it's the whomever of the moment who they have to like bring on five cast members to like make them do something. Yeah. Those two are typically like five minutes versus 15, 16 minutes. Yeah. So going to our, Oh, the last thing with our good nights, Baldwin stuck around Yeah. to the very end. Finally, he had a sign that said, you're welcome. Maya wished another child of hers, a happy birthday, which I thought was nice. Um, and I am assuming that Jim Carrey is filming the new Sonic movie, which is why he's bald. Mm. Yes. Because I didn't, because all the other Gnights, he was wearing a beanie. Right. This time he wasn't wearing a beanie and he was just like bald. shaved head bald. Yeah, he might be doing that. I know that he's, he's doing the mask again. Are you serious? He is making a cameo in uh, the new Space Jam's movie, okay. Space Jam 2, as the mask. It's actually him doing the mask in that movie. I didn't know those existed in the same universe. That is very interesting. They're using like a bunch of Warner Brother characters for that movie. Instead of just the Looney Tunes, it's going to be all Warner Brothers characters. Right. So With Braun, right? Yeah, yeah, LeBron, the goat. Yeah, right. So uh, 
<laughs> Interesting. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, so the, uh, but I, you know, Gnites is also where I kind of look at who we didn't see. And yeah. so no AD, no Cecily, no New Girl Lauren, no Andrew Desmukes, no Punky Johnson. Yeah. All of them were in anything. Melissa shows up in, Melissa and Bowen show up in the Mario Brothers sketch. Mikey was used pretty prominently throughout the episode. Uh, Alex was in the one sketch. Pete was in the one sketch. Yeah. Kate and Keenan were places, but like, it's interesting. Without having Cecily and 80, they're kind of upper tier, more experienced. Heidi was in a few things. Their upper tier, more experienced veteran players are kind of like cut in half. Yeah. So, and with Maya and Baldwin and Jim Carrey, they've been able to rely on them. So that's another thing I'm looking forward to is like let the celebrities leave and let the all these there's 20 named cast members of the show if you include all five featured players. So there's a lot of pe- there's a lot of mouths to feed. Yeah. I just don't think they're getting to many of them. Yeah, yeah, it'll be nice to see finally who's who and who's good at what. Yeah, I want to see Andrew Dismukes in sketches and see if he's good. I want to see yeah. Lauren. Yeah. Um, Punky has equipped herself pretty well, but like they just haven't had many opportunities. And I don't want, you know, Chloe was had like a walk-on role as Kaylee. Right. As Kaylee <laughs> Um And she is great. Yeah. And Bowen had a little tiny part. And so those, you know, people, those five that are in that, in featuring category are the ones that are like on the bubble. Oh, yeah. We had no Chris. Red. Oh, no, Chris Red. I didn't even see that. Yeah. Red. I just thought about that. Another one. So just yet more people that were not around. I wonder why. Because he was, I follow him on Instagram, and he was marching in New York on Saturday. Like, he was filming himself. So he was available. So he was there. Maybe he took the night off. I wonder if he was marching, and then they were worried about COVID exposure, so he couldn't go on. Oh, maybe. Yeah, maybe. Interesting. So that's that's the episode. So what was your favorite sketch? My favorite sketch was the Take Me Back. Yeah. That was, I just thought it was so well written, so well performed, so well executed. Just overall, a good sketch. If I couldn't pick that one, which I'm going to, I would have said the mascot sketch. Yeah. Yeah, that's my second favorite. Yeah, I think those are the best. I, again, half the show was great. Half the show was, for me, was okay. Yeah. What uh, you, who was your favorite uh, primetime player? Thank you. Not uh, ready for primetime. My favorite uh, not ready for primetime player is... It's Kate. Kate. I really liked Kate in both uh, as Giuliani and in the Hailstorm sketch. Mm. Who's yours? Mine is Keenan. Yeah. Mine is Keenan just because he was cracking me up in Super Mario Bros. He was hilarious as Uncle Ben. And then again in the Kate sketch. In a night of only five sketches, he's in three. He's in three of them. Yeah. Yeah. So. Kind of love him. Uh, And (laughs) then uh, our stock up, stock down. Are you buying tickets uh, for the Foo Fighters? Oh, heck yes. Absolutely. There's just some bands where it's like, I need to, when the world returns. Yeah. I just need to buy all the concert tickets and definitely for the Foo Fighters because they're great. Yeah. Yeah. Foo Fighters. I've never seen them live. No, neither have I. I think it'd be cool to see them live. They seem like a very cool live band. I saw that um, YouTube video of when they brought in Rick Astley and they just oh, did yeah. <laughs> Never Gonna Get You Up. They're just like great collaborators, which yeah. is what I really do like about them. Yeah. It's kind of up for whatever. They seem like cool guys, too. Well, they were the band uh, when on the t- first Tenacious D record. Oh, yeah, that's right. So, like, Dave Grohl played a bunch of uh, <laughs> stuff on that and just great. Um, so then, yeah, and then Dave Chappelle, of course. Of course, yeah. 
I I I think I have to be in like the right mood for his stand-up. Mm-hmm. So I haven't seen everything that's available uh, on Netflix for his stand-up stuff, but it is. But everything that I've seen is very good. Yeah. Did I tell you I saw him live? No. I went to the comedy store in L.A. when it was open, and I went to the belly room at the comedy store, which is only a room of like 50 people, mm-hmm. and he dropped in and did a 40-minute set. Oh, that's amazing. And I peed my pants three times. There was that period. That's good to know. There was that period where he was just like this kind of comedy kind of nymph, just kind of like showing up places and just like unannounced because he really, really does not like social media or being recorded yeah. or any of that kind of stuff. So he, instead of announcing that he was going to be somewhere, he would just like roll into these kind of small rooms in LA and other parts of the country and just like work on some stuff. Yeah. And supposedly, I, I, I thought, and maybe it'll still come to be, that Eddie Murphy was going to start doing that and start coming back. Yeah. And, you know, he did that episode on, on SNL and and supposedly he's got a Netflix special in the works. So... So there's no new episode next week. So what Randall and I are going to do is a top five. We're going to do a uh, dueling top five for next week. And it is our top five one-time hosts. And I proposed this idea without really doing any research as to who that might be. So this might be hard to do mm-hmm. because there might be uh, kind of slim pickings. Who is somebody that hosted once and was never invited back? Yeah, that will be tough. Right? So I'm, I'm looking forward to see... Who is available? And then we're going to kind of skim some of the episodes, get an idea, and put together a top five, and we'll kind of do that blindly to each other next week. So please stay tuned for that. So thanks again for talking to SNL with me, Randall. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. So if you want to help us out, please rate, review, and subscribe on whatever podcast platform you're listening to us on. That helps other people find us. You can find Randall at Fresh Cut Randall on both Instagram and Twitter. You can find me at Mr. B Paradise also on both Instagram and Twitter. You can follow us at SN Rewind on Twitter. And then you can email us at snrewindpod at gmail.com. And that is a great place where if you want to ask us questions and we might read them on the air. Who knows? So uh, thank you for listening to us for these first seven episodes, our pilot and these last six weeks. We're excited to see what we're going to be able to experiment with on the uh, hiatus weeks. So we'll be back next week. Have a great week, Randall. Have a great week.